the miraculous. And I believe that today that, that God's going to move powerfully. And if you will, let's just, let's just go to God in a word of prayer and open our hearts to Him. Heavenly Father, we love You so much, God, and we thank You for Your Word. And Lord, we pray right now that Your Spirit would begin to come on us, Lord God. Father, I pray for for Your Spirit, a portion of Your Spirit to communicate and to preach, Lord God. And and Father God, I pray for a great portion of Your Spirit upon us today, Lord, to receive Your Word, Lord, to pay attention, Father, uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, um, I'd like to start just with a little bit of context about what we're about to read in Joshua chapter 3. Where we are is, is that Joshua and the nation of Israel, probably, probably about a million people who had, who had exodused out of, out of Egypt and, and wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, they, they stand on the banks of the Jordan River, which is the eastern boundary of God's promised land. And they're about to enter in based on the commandment of the Lord. And, but something that, that, that we need to remember is, is that they're not about to go in and, and get handed the keys to the promised land. They're about to walk into a war. They're entering a land of giants and warlords and heathens who are, who are ready to stand and to fight for their homes and their lives. And what's about to happen is they're about to enter in and, and there's going to be lives that will be taken. And there's going to be lives that will be laid down for the sake of taking God's promise and God's will. There's going to be people who received the promise of God and they are not going to make it. They're not going to make it. There's casualties, there's blood, there's sweat in the effort to take the promised land. And, and something that God really put on my heart while I was preparing for this is, is that anything worth doing and anything worth having takes work. It takes work. It takes us putting our hand towards the task that God has given us. You know, uh, so many people are sitting on their hands waiting for God to plop destiny into their, into their lap when God is looking for active laborers who will seek His face and who will seek His will in the midst of the trials and the tribulations of life. Because I want you to understand something this morning is that is that things don't get easy in this life, but we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony and by our faith-filled action, putting to work in, in the purpose and the promises of God. You know, I have written here that a hero is not someone who doesn't fear, but is someone who does what is necessary despite his fear. And so I want to encourage you this morning that while we're talking about declaration, understand that it takes work to accomplish the will of God in your life. And so before we get going here, I just want to give you three key ideas kind of that to, to get us started on, on this miraculous declaration. Uh, the first one is, is that your actions will follow your declaration. The second one is, is that your declaration will follow your heart. And number three is, is that your heart is only limited by what you believe. And I want you to get those things in your mind and in your heart as we prepare to, to learn about what the miraculous declaration is. Because you see, the declaration in our hearts and minds and ultimately our mouth matters. What you believe and what you say because what you believe matters. You know, uh, the declaration is a huge part 
of the activation of God's miraculous hand in your and my life. And so it's very important. And so keeping in mind what we talked about with Joshua and the Israelites and where they, where they are and where they're about to go, I want you to see what he did right before he crossed into the promised land and prepared the war, uh, prepared to go to war. In chapter 3 of Joshua, verse 5, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, Then Joshua told the people, Purify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. Skipping down to verse 9, he says, So Joshua told the Israelites, Come and listen to what the Lord your God says. Today you will know that the living God is among you. He will surely drive out the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Parasites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites ahead of you. Look, the Ark of the Covenant, which belongs to the Lord of the whole earth, will lead you across the Jordan River. Now choose twelve men from the tribes of Israel, from one, one from each tribe. The priests will carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth. And as soon as their feet touch the water, the flow of water will be cut off upstream, and the river will stand up like a wall. And you see what Joshua is doing here, and something you have to understand if you read the story from before, Joshua had received a word from the Lord, and God told him, I'm going to give you the land. It's yours. And he came back, and a lot of his friends were saying, but there's giants, and there's warlords, and we're going to die, and God brought us out here to die. But Joshua, and that resulted in 40 years of wilderness wandering, but Joshua for 40 years had harbored the word of the Lord in his heart. And it had become a part of him. And it it had become uh, something real that he believed deep down in his soul. And now he's taking that, that deep, heartfelt belief in the word of God, and he's declaring it over his people in, a, in, a, in, a, in an effort to... to, to to, to give them some of that belief and to, and to speak excellence into them and to, to convince them to fully commit and fully uh, be a part and, and give their whole hearts and their whole lives to the, to, the, to the hard, difficult, arduous effort that is ahead. You know, whenever I was thinking on this, God spoke to me that the number one reason why people become disenchanted with church and disenchanted with God is because they refuse to fully commit. You know, and I want to tell you something right now. If you're trying to do church, and if you're trying to do the, a relationship with the Lord halfway, you're going to become nothing but discontent, and it's going to seem like it doesn't work for you, because God requires all of our heart, not just part of our heart. He requires us to be all in, and that's why, that's why uh, Joshua, that's why he 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 spoke his heartfelt belief in an effort to, to, get, to get his people to commit fully to the, to the purpose and, and, and the task at hand. You know, and, and, and there's, a, there's, there's numerous secular examples of the power of declaration. You know, uh, one of my favorites is in, is in one of my favorite uh, pastimes is, is football. We got any football fans in the house? Anybody? A couple? Okay. Uh, I love football. I love it. That's my wife. <laughs> you know, I, I love football. Uh, football makes me love DVR uh, because I love, I love to just be able to skip through the commercials and watch the games. It's, it's, a, it's a great thing for me. Um, and, you know, one of the things about football is, is if you know anything about football or if you've ever watched uh, anything outside of the normal coverage, 
one of the primary jobs of the head coach of a football team is to, is to, is to motivate his team by the power of declaration. You know, and, uh, and so what I did just for fun, uh, last year there was, a, there was a football game in week six. It was the San Francisco 49ers uh, against the Detroit Lions, and both teams at the time had not lost. Week six, big game, big buildup. And, uh, and the 49ers, they went in and they, they won a close game. And afterwards, the, the first-year head coach named Jim Harbaugh gave a speech. <laughs> that was awesome. And uh, it was just so awesome. And I watched it like 10 times on YouTube. And, and I'm kind of, yeah, you know, and uh, getting all fired up and pumped up. But uh, we, have a, we have a little clip. And I apologize for the quality. I think it was taken by a player. But I've got a little clip uh, just to show you the power of declaration. And so, guys, if we could get that going maybe here. understand what they said but the coach says who's got it better than us and they say nobody and so I, I just could we do that could I could y'all do nobody okay who's got it better than us nobody. all right amen because we've got we've got the Lord right uh, that's really cool and uh, you know I love that I think it's I think it's awesome I think it's powerful uh, it's the power of declaration you know and Harbaugh Harbaugh was doing that not because he likes to speak. Harbaugh did that because he understood that his team had 10 more grueling weeks of the NFL to, to, to grind it out and to work hard and to sacrifice their bodies in order to achieve their goal. And, uh, you know, they, they ended up falling one, one game short of the Super Bowl. And uh, I don't know if y'all saw, you saw, you saw the part. God's speaking to me right now, man. He, he looked at, he looked at the, the guy... And he said, clutch, clutch. And he was speaking, that, that guy is Alex Smith. And I want to tell you something about Alex Smith real quick. We got, we got a little time. Alex Smith was the first overall pick in the NFL draft. Huge expectations, huge, uh, huge pressure, huge drama. And, and for all intensive purposes, he, he didn't live up to the expectations. And there was talk every year, oh, they got to get rid of this guy. He's no good. He's no, never going to live up. And, and this guy, Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh, he comes to the team, and in, in one year, he, he, turns, he turns Alex Smith by, by mentoring and speaking and teaching and, 
and, and caring for him. He turns him into, into this awesome quarterback who leads his team to the NFC Championship. And listen, God's speaking to me right now. Listen, your declaration over your kids matters. Because I, I want you to... Man, I want you to understand something that, 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 that you know, he, had, he didn't have the right coach before, but when he got a man who would speak into his life, life, it mattered. And I want you to understand something that, that, that the way you speak to your kids matters. Because what you say and what you do around your kids is going to make them who they are. Amen. <laughs> I think about my son. <laughs> Amen. Uh, so it's obvious. It's obvious that the declaration, the declaration in the secular world has power. But I want to tell you something. That whenever declaration is paired with faith and God's word and God's promises, it has exponential power. It has exponential power. It becomes miraculous. You know? And that's that's where that's where the miraculous declaration comes in. And so I want to share with you, I just want to share with you four things about a miraculous declaration. Four things that, that we can take today uh, and apply to the declaration in our lives. Turn with me, if you will, to John chapter 15. And the first thing about a miraculous declaration is that it, uh, it starts with a heart full of God's will and God's word. Uh, in John chapter 15, verse 5, it says, Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything that you want and it will be granted to you. Now I want you to see something. He doesn't just say, you may ask whatever you desire and it will be granted to you. He says, if you will remain in me and my word remains in you, then you will ask whatever you desire and it will be done for you. And what I want you to understand this morning is, is that declaration is not about empty words. Declaration isn't something, isn't the name it and claim it. It's not just something that we say. Declaration is something that we believe deep down in our heart. And because we've got it so deep down in our heart, it comes up out of our mouth. And we speak life over ourselves, over our circumstances, over our friends, over our family. That's why declaration has such power. You know, uh, God says that declaration comes from a heart that abides in Him and that harbors His Word inside of us. That's the difference between the Christian de declaration and the football declaration. Because our declaration is based on a belief that stems from the Word of God. And therefore, it's miraculous. 
And I want to tell you something this morning. I want to challenge you this morning that if you're not reading the Word of God on a consistent basis, and if you're not getting the Word of God in your heart and in your mind and memorizing the Scripture and having it in your brain and in your heart for, for when the moments come that you need it, then you're shortchanging yourself and you're shortchanging God's plan for your life. We as believers, you know, and in, in, in today there's, there's so many options. There's so many things to divide our minds. But we as believers, each and every one of us have the responsibility to have the Word of God in our hearts and in our minds. It's vital if you're going to win. It's vital if you're going to succeed. And it's, it's, it's essential if you're ever going to have a miraculous declaration. So I want to challenge you this morning that if you're not, to begin to put the Word of God in your heart and in your mind. Because it makes a difference. Uh, second thing. It says that the miraculous declaration is often activated by a verbal confession. Uh, let's turn over to Matthew. A little bit to the left here. Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. It says, When Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and in terrible pain. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers and have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say, go, and they go, and come, and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. That's pretty crazy. Jesus was amazed. Uh, turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth. I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel and I tell you this, that many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from east and west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. But many Israelites, those for whom the kingdom was prepared, will be thrown into outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the Roman officer, Go back home, because you believed it has happened. And the young servant was healed that same hour. Uh, something to see here, a couple of things to see here. The officer, the officer had, a, had a heart deep belief that Jesus could heal his servant. He had a heart deep belief that resulted in a, de in a declaration from his mouth, which resulted in the miraculous move of God in his life. And it's, a, it's an example of what we're talking about here. Uh, but something interesting is, is that there's, there's a lot of places in Scripture where we see that Jesus, because of his unique connection with God through, through God's Spirit, he had the ability to perceive what was in men's hearts and in, in men's minds. There was, a, there was a time, it says, when, when the Pharisees were, were plotting against him and doubting and not believing, and, and he perceived it by his connection to God, and he called them out on it. And so we understand that Jesus had the ability to perceive what was in men's hearts, but... It wasn't until the confession, the declaration of the officer's mouth that Jesus moved in his life. 
It was when he declared the belief in the word of God that it activated the power of Christ in his life. And it activated Christ being amazed and saying, what great faith. And oftentimes in scripture, you can see it over and over again, especially throughout the gospels. We see that, it, that it's whenever people speak, Lord, heal me. Lord, I need you to do this. Lord, I need you to do that. Lord, uh, I believe that you can move miraculously in my life, that it activated the miraculous in their life. And so it's very important that we not only have that belief in our heart, but we, we confess that belief with our mouth, you know. And I think about the, the, the most miraculous thing that can happen in a person's life is to be uh, saved and redeemed from sin by the work of Christ on the cross. You know, that's the most miraculous thing that's ever going to happen in our lives. But here's the deal. It's initiated by belief in your heart and a declaration of your mouth. Okay, and let me read you something. We've got it up on the screen here so we don't have to go. This is uh, Romans 10, 9, 9 through 10. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. It's the power of declaration. The power of declaration takes, takes the work of Christ 2,000 years ago, and it's through belief and declaration that we take that work 2,000 years ago and that supernaturally we're made right with God by believing and declaring. And I want you to understand that that, that doesn't just apply to salvation. It applies to every single piece and part of your life. God wants to move miraculously in your life. So, um, the third thing about the miraculous declaration is, is that it must be paired with faith-filled action to take full effect. Turn with me, if you will, over to James chapter 2. I'll mark that one with my ribbon because it's a... It's a small book that's kind of sneaky sometimes. Uh, James chapter 2, and we'll be going to verse 14. I'm going to go ahead and get started. I'm going to read you a lot, not a whole lot, but more than just a couple of verses because, quite honestly, the, 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 the Scripture preaches it better than I could. So uh, I'm going to read you just a, a, about 10 verses here. Verse 14 it says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Now here he begins to give some examples from the scriptures. He says, Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. 
His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened, just as the Scriptures say, Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Second example, verse 25. Rahab, the prostitute, is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith without good works. So also is faith without good works. See, Joshua, after his miraculous declaration on the east side of the Jordan River, he still had to lead the war. How many of you know that, that Joshua couldn't just speak it and stand on that side of the river? Joshua, he, he spoke his miraculous declaration, but then he paired it with faith-filled action. He stepped, it, he stepped into the river by faith, and the river, the river stopped flowing so that they could cross over on dry land. And then he went into the battle by faith, and God delivered them. And even after they were delivered because of sin in the camp, Joshua stood up in faith, and he led his army back into battle. And eventually they took the land, and they took the promise, but it, it, it required action. It required work. You know, and I want to tell you today, you know, you may, uh, you know, I, I just use this as an example. You may believe, be believing God for a, a new job, or you may be unemployed believing God for a job, or you, you need something better. But I want to tell you something. You can believe God as much as you want, but if you're not putting out resumes and you're not making calls, you're probably not going to get a job, you know? And, 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 it, and it's the same with faith. If we're not doing the things that we need to do in order to set ourselves up for God's promise, it's not going to happen in our lives. If we're not, if we're not uh, reading the Word and praying and, and worshiping and, and, and coming to church and engaging in God's New Testament plan to finish out this, 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 this uh, error in the, in the world, you know, then, then if God's laid out the formula. He showed us how to do it. He's got it all laid out in His Word, but it takes action. It takes work. It takes more than faith because faith without works is dead. And God is never going to move in your life. He's never going to do the miraculous until you take part in your miracle. It's very important. You know, I, I, so many people, so many people get, get upset at God because he, he, he doesn't move in their lives. And sometimes, sometimes God says no despite what we do, and that's okay because He's God, you know. But sometimes it's a matter of us doing the things that we need to do as believers in order to allow for the miraculous of God to move in our lives. And so it's very important that we pair our faith uh, with, with action. And, and the last thing, the fourth thing that I want you to understand is, is that a miraculous declaration really isn't about you at all. You know? Uh, turn with me. Last scripture here. Matthew chapter 5. Go back to Matthew. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. Jesus says, You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, 
so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. You want to know why God lets us get into the hole and then miraculously delivers us? Do you want to know why God elevates people, elevates believers, and and gives them a, a miraculous movement in their life? It's so that our light can shine into the world and that the world can see a real God the world can see a God who can tangibly, tangibly meet the needs of people. The world can see a God who, 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 who is more than a fairy tale, who's more than, than, than a story, and so that the world can see the light of the Lord moving through our lives. You know, the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul, he, he went through a lot. You know, he went through a lot and, and he went, you know, the, he talks about being shipwrecked and imprisoned and he was snake bitten at, at one time by a deadly snake. And, uh, and, you know, that was his lot. How many of you know the Apostle Paul was serving the Lord, but he had to go through trials and tribulations so that God could continually be the miraculous provider that the world needed to see through him. And I want to tell you this morning, you may be going through some difficult times you may not be ha- very happy with where you are right now, but God is calling you to be excellent in your situation, and He will give you all that you need to get through it, and you will shine to the world. Because listen, what do you think shines more to the world? A, a life, a life where everything's going right and everything's going good? No, oh, praise the Lord. Everything's good, and praise God for that, you know, because God calls some of us for that lot, you know, but there are times in, in, in really every person's life where we're going to get down low, and I want to tell you something, that if you can be excellent in the low times, and if you can trust in the, in the, in the hand of God, and if you can continue to have the Word of God in your heart, and the miraculous declaration coming out of your mouth that God is working all things together for good in my life. And I look to Him and I believe that even if my situation never gets better, I'm going to serve Him with all of my heart. That light shines bright. That light shines in the world's face and shows, shows a real God. You know? It's not about you. It's not about us. God wants people to to, to see the reality of Him in our lives. And so today, I just want to, I just wrote a couple of things down. The Lord was speaking to me, and so I wrote them down. And I want you to begin to declare the miraculous over your life. I want you to begin to get the Word of God deep down in your heart. And I believe God spoke to me some things. I You know, if you're oppressed today by the sins of your past, I want you to declare that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That sin is no more whenever we trust in the work of Jesus Christ. If you're having financial difficulty today or you need a job or you need a better job, I want you to begin to declare that God supplies all your need by His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. If you have sickness in your body today, I want you to declare that God has sent His Word and healed you. 
If you have sadness or depression in your heart, I want you to begin to declare that the joy of the Lord is your strength. If you're suffering through trial and tribulation, I want you to declare that God works all things together for good to those who love Him and are called according to His purposes. If your trial persists for a season of time, I want you to declare that God's grace is sufficient for you, for His strength is made perfect in weakness. Begin to declare that your light affliction which is but for a moment, is working for you a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. And even if you're facing death today, I want you to begin to declare that those who are absent from the body are present with the Lord. And that even on your deathbed, your greatest day is yet ahead of you. Because we have eternity to look forward to with Jesus. Amen. Now listen, the Lord's about to start moving. I want everybody to close your eyes and go ahead and stand up with me. Don't set your heart on leaving right now. Set your heart on the Lord moving in your life, in this congregation's life. Let's, 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 give, him, let's give Him some focus here. Tonight, today, this morning, not tonight, (laughs) this morning. If when we talked about salvation, it kind of perplexed you. If today you're thinking, man, I, I don't even know where to start. I don't even know if I have a relationship with God. I don't even know how to trust in Christ to save me from my sins. I don't know if, if I died today, if I would go to heaven, if I would be right with God. That's you this morning. I just just want you to slip up your hand real quick. If you're not sure if you died today that you would go to heaven, just slip up your hand. Okay. Go ahead and put it down. Right now, um, we're going to continue with a little ministry. Ryan, would you mind mind going back to the back corner there? And uh, I saw, if if you raised your hand, everybody look at me real quick. If you raised your hand, I I don't want to embarrass you. Uh, if you'll just slip back to that back corner right there, uh, if you raise your hand, Brother Ryan here, he's going to talk to you about receiving Jesus. Brother Ryan's going to talk to you about, about, um, about trusting in him and, and, and how you can be saved. So uh, be brave right now. Not a lot of people's going to see you. Go ahead. And uh, if you raise your hand, it, and we're going to make that right. Now, uh, I believe that God's about to move. I need, uh, I need as many of our prayer partners up here as we can. If, if, you're, if you're one of our prayer partners, come on up. Come on, Trent. And this is what we're going to do.